Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show here on the Loving Liberty Network. I'm Chris Kimball hosting today, and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their to their family, their children, and their community. They would be what you would call the chief operating officer of liberty for their home. And you don't want to mess with a Liberty Mom. I'm I'm getting to meet more and more of them every day. As we see more and more overreach of government and uh, more and more tyranny in our communities. And it's amazing to see these fierce, courageous Liberty Moms stand up and stand firm to protect their children. And today we're going to talk about um, those children that are most vulnerable because they're not, they're not seen. There, it, it, I, will, I like to kind of refer to this as the secret murders that happen in our communities, and that is tied to the abortion industry. And my guest today is Chris Martinson from Voice for the Voiceless, and they have a mission to save all babies that are in the womb, the most vulnerable of our society, those that don't have a voice, those that can't be heard. And yet they're not seen and sometimes they're just forgotten and kind of ignored. And, and so Chris, I want to bring you on. I've, um, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've met with you and worked with you on a few things. I'm not anywhere near at the level of uh, focus and commitment that you do with, with the abortion, but you have a different look at ending abortion by just abolishing all abortion. That's right. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute because um, there's a petition. Well, where do you think you want to go first? Do you want to talk about what's happened just recently with the Supreme Court or get into the pushback we get with with the uh, abolishing abortion completely? Well, I mean, the, we could talk about the Supreme Court case a little bit if you like. Um, the, big, the big part of that um, is that, yeah, we do want to overturn Roe. And there's a case right now, Dobbs versus Jackson, and um, they're they're hearing that to to over, overturn it. So, with Action for Life, we signed a, an amicus brief to join in that to give our side of that as an abolition, a total abolition view of um, of abortion. Uh, we want it to end completely, but not only. Um, that, but but that states have sovereignty, they can actually end abortion regardless of whether or not Roe versus Wade is overturned. So that's um, that's the petition we're signing to to help get our point across that there shouldn't be any exceptions that those babies do have equal protection. Um, abortion is not in the Constitution. Roe versus Wade is not law. And they are protected under the 14th Amendment, under the Constitution. You know, if you were, so I, I like that you're bringing this out because this is an actual current event. It is, a, it is being heard at this moment in the Supreme Court. 
we have had uh, some senators, Senator Mike Lee from Utah, other senators have signed on to, um, is it the same amicus? No, it's, um, they, they did a different one. This is through okay. uh, Action for Life. There was about 20 uh, throughout the United States that uh, of uh, other ministries, and I think about 20 other uh, senators, House representatives around the country that that also signed on it. But um, the Take Action Life for Life is the one that wrote the the brief and um, and turned that in, and okay. we we just joined them. But there there's a lot of amicus briefs probably that have been uh, turned in, but the one with Take Action for Life is actually an abolition one. It's from an abolition view. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and dive into that just a sure. little bit now because with the abolition view, that really um, it's interesting because people that are so pro life kind of push back on that, like, oh, wait a minute, we've got yeah. to have these exemptions. And I've had my own personal experience where the Lord has showed me that they're not necessary. Um, right. In fact, um, my one opportunity that I had to go back to the UN in 2010, uh, I of course was targeting the, uh, at that level, it's the International Planned Parenthood, and I would go into their meetings. And if anybody ever had the chance to go to the UN, it would really open your eyes because they're in their own little bubble, and so they are very open. They're not worried about being clandestine or trying to cover what they're really trying to do. They're very open and speak openly about it, and they were they were just excited and celebrating the fact that they'd been able to promote the lie that, you know, abortion saves mothers' lives and that we need to have abortion in case, you know, for the risk of the mother's life. And they just thought that was so amazing that they could convince the public and churches that that was okay when in reality that is so rare and doctors know that abortion is more dangerous. Like that would be one of their, like, Oh, you know, your life's in threat. We're going to abort your baby. That would create even more threat to the mother, you know. But what is your, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I, I see this every day. I mean, we are at Planned Parenthood every day um, of the week. Monday, usually we're helping the moms and, and going out to have a kind of a reduced schedule on Mondays at Planned Parenthood. So sometimes we're there, but Tuesday through Friday, we're there almost all day long. And uh, the the arguments we get from people that do want to, to kill their babies and they're going in there, we're begging and we're pleading with them not to, but we also want to, to give them the truth. And we're not rattling fences and shouting at them or anything like that. We, we're doing this in a loving loving way, but we, we're telling them the, the truth. And these arguments that they give us, I hear the same arguments from the pro-life side, the, the mother's life. What about mother's life, rape, incest? These are the same arguments that they give me. These are the ones that they're putting in bills for and passing. And then they turn around at me and say, well, what about mother's life? And, and the reason they're, they're saying that it, it tugs on that heartstring. Um, you, of course, the the life of the mother the 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 child those you want to care for them so that's that's why they bring them out but the we're talking about a life in danger and a doctor's life is to save both lives that's their job is to save 
lives. And so, I mean, we want to make sure, sure the mom's um, okay. There's uh, the, the babies, there's different circumstances where um, there's the atoptic pregnancies, um, but the baby can't survive outside the womb. There's um, medical reasons there, but we're talking about two lives on the table that the doctor is trying to save both lives and he can only save one. That's not an abortion. But what we see when we go in there or when people are coming in, for example, just, uh, just last week we had uh, a mom that took her daughter in and she was in there and, and we talked with her and she said that the reason was is her life was in danger because she was um, RH negative. She had RH negative blood type. Uh, my wife is RH negative. She, had a shot and my daughter's RH negative. We have a friend that's RH negative. That's not life in danger, but they're using these excuses that we've given them as Mm -hmm. pro life, given them those. And they've turned that around as a a reason. Uh, They've even used reasons that they're going to have a bad life because their school, uh, they're going to not be able to stay in college or they're not going to be able to stay in school. Those aren't life threatening um, situations, but the bill that Action for Life has written and that we have available, if we can find somebody to, to put it in and uh, have it heard in Utah, that does give it um, exceptions for life in danger. It's it's not as long as they're saving lives. You know that's where mm-hmm. that's where it's really kind of a a difficult a difficult um, thing, but it's it's not inconvenience and that's what they've changed it into right and and again it's a it is an extremely rare i mean i know of uh uh obgyns who've never like that would never have even come up they've birthed thousands and thousands of babies and it's just the idea and again it is it's a dangerous um procedure for women and i don't know if if many women are aware of that plus it's an emotionally traumatizing. I have a a girlfriend um, from college, so it's been well over, oh man, how long? 40 years maybe? And it still bothers her today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I know of others too. And so we know the um, suicide increases um, 30% um, from those because your soul knows that you've done something horrific. Right. Right. And that takes you also to what about the other exceptions of, well, what about rape? What about um, those types of, of cases that are that we've now in Utah have written into our laws to make it OK for that? But these moms have been through a traumatic situation um, and they need our help. They need counseling. They need family. They need help and they need us to come alongside them. But now that's not going to change. The, the rape that happened to them is not going to change. It needs to be comforted and, and counseled and helped. But we don't want to add to that with right. the sin of abortion. That just weighs on them as something else. It's not getting rid of um, a situation that already happened. It's adding to it. It's adding to it. It's piling on. So the one um, situation I want to share is, again, at the same UN conference, IPP, International Planned Parenthood, had brought in a woman from Bosnia, 
and she did not speak the language. So I think that's where there was a breakdown in communication on what they expected from her. But she told her story through a translator about how she had been raped daily during the Bosnian war conflict. Okay. And how horrific that had been. But during that process, she became, she got pregnant and gave birth to a baby girl. And she told how that baby, having that baby saved her life. That that was a blessing that it took away all the crap that had happened to her. Because now she had this beautiful child to love and to take care of. And it was healing. It was cathartic for her to be able to just give love to this defenseless um, uh, babe that actually healed her from the misery. And so we're leaving, we're, we have a tendency to leave God out of the equation in our day-to-day lives and, and that he, um, he can heal us if we just allow ourselves to follow his laws. And That's right. And not to take an innocent life. That's right. He, he says that baby is a gift. It's a gift from God. And you, uh, I mean, it's no matter how that baby came into to, to being, um, God created that, uh, you know, what, whatever circumstances that was, God created that baby in the womb and he says it's a gift. And maybe that's, that is what you need, just like what happened to her. And what we, I think, tend to, also forget or try to forget maybe is that we do have this mom that went through a tragic situation there, but we also now we have another human being. We have another person that, that needs that love and equal protection. And it's not their fault of what happened to the crimes of the father. The crimes of the father needs to be dealt with. God's law says that that, that person that committed that, um, that horrible thing deserves the death penalty. That's what God says, but not the child. And so we tend to, to, like I said, that kind of thing tugs on our heartstrings and we want to care for her and care for her and love her and, and take care of that. But, and we want what's best for her and, you know, tend to, it, it seems like we tend to forget about that child. So that's right. Abolition, um, of uh, abortion stands. I mean, we stand on, on a foundation, a word of God that is never changing. And that's, that's just our foundation. And he says, do not kill these children. These children, he says, thou shalt not murder. And if you take the life of another human being, then it's murder. So um, we also in, in our, land we have the constitution and if that baby if we believe that that baby is a a human being then that baby does have that equal protection right under the constitution so are we going to throw out the constitution now and 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 break the law or are we going to um uh, follow the law and and agree that this baby is a person. It can't be both. If you say, "Well, I know it's a person, but we're going to go ahead and 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 destroy this life and this little baby," then we're not giving that baby equal protection. So that's what we want too: is equal protection uh, for this for this little baby. You bring up a great point because, um, of course, you know God's law is the most supreme mm-hmm. we look at, but the Constitution is what protects and supports God's law. And you, like I say, you're just ignoring 
you're ignoring so much thinking that um, and sometimes maybe that's human nature where you feel like, well, we got to do something. There's something we have to do. We have to fix it. We're, we're down here. We need to fix this wrong. And we just need to turn and rely on God. We need to turn to him and his word and his laws and all things will work out for the best. They'll work out for the higher good of everyone if we just rely on God and his will in all things. Right? Right. That's, um, I mean, it, we are one nation under God, and our, uh, and we do stand on that foundation for him for, for everything. And um, a lot of people want to throw that out and say, well, I don't believe in God. Um, so that doesn't apply to me. We still live under his law, regardless of whether we want to or not, or we, we agree with it. I mean, the laws that are, that are, that we live under, um, are biblical. They're, um, they're set in that way. And and like I said, this, this is a constitution that's, that's built and founded on the word of God. So you can't, you can't just throw out the, the constitution because you don't believe in it. You can't throw out God because you don't believe it. You're living in a, in a world that's, that's under God and you will be judged. He says a man is appointed to die once. And after that comes judgment and you will have to answer for those things that you've done. And, but you do have to answer for him here too. Uh, under God's law, you, 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 there is judgment here, righteous judgment on earth. Not, not for me to judge their hearts, but there is the law. So, Chris, right now we've got this court case at the Supreme Court level that could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade. We have um, you put together a petition. What would that petition do? Why are we needing you are needing signatures? And then how can others let others know how if they wanted to get involved in what your work is um, being a, a sidewalk advocate or or it. Do you need people in in that regards, or um, how can others help with the work that you're doing? Yeah, so the the petition is is just like anything; it it, it creates a, a larger voice so that they know that this is what we want. Um, just like when you go to the city council, just like you go to something locally, and that's usually where you start, right? Is you you go locally and you you get the uh, the city councils, the cities around you and you move out and, and create a larger voice. So we have different towns and cities around us that, that all want to end abortion as well. Um, and so we can go to the, each of those cities, each of those towns. And if, if everybody's on the same page, they go to the, the house, the Senate to write this bill or to take this bill and have it heard and hopefully voted on and passed. But that's what the, the petition will do. Also, it, it gets us all on the same page. So when you get our, e- we get the email, we'll, we'll send out things that are important information that you need to know, but it also creates that large voice to the Supreme court saying that, yeah, we, we, um, we want this. And it, it, your name will go down in the official court records. It says right on here, it says adding your name and you join us in, in standing against it and your name will appear in the official court records. So you can be a part of, of that history of this, but it, it doesn't, it's, it's still kept private. Your all your records are still you know, kept private, but 
but it is important to do that. So locally, that's what we're doing is we want to bring that out to the, uh, the house and, and make our voice heard in these cities. So you can go to your city councils, you can go to your, um, your house representatives, you can call them and say, this is what you want. But if we do it all together, we'll have a stronger voice. So if you go to our website, voice for the voiceless dot life, and make sure you put the dot life in the, in, in the end there. And so voice for the voiceless dot life, you can sign up, you can contact me. You can also go to our Facebook page, Search uh, Voice for the Voiceless Utah and uh, contact me through there. Um, our um, electronic um, petition is on there, so you can sign that and, and get on that email list, and we'll keep you up to date there. That's really the, the most important right now is to get a larger voice. We do have enough people. A lot of people are scared a little bit. They don't know what to expect when they go out in front of Planned Parenthood, but we do have uh, really enough people out there that uh, know the laws. They know what they can do and they can't do because Planned Parenthood calls the police on us every day. There's people and neighbors that call the police every day. And, but we, we are gracious to them. Uh, We follow the law. We even do things that they ask us to do that we by law are allowed to do just to make it easier on them. Um, they're so far pretty great to, to us. There's a, a couple of uh, incidences of course that, that, that maybe um, um, they may have overstepped their bounds a little bit, but there's a lot of tension there and Planned Parenthood gives them that. So I I'd say that, that by going out there, maybe there's some that, that would be able to, but for the most part we need to, we need to get our voice together as and organized. And the most important thing I think is to sign this petition and get on our email so that we can, we can band together. Okay. I think that's great. And I, there's something powerful about putting your name, putting your name on this document saying, I am opposed to abortion and putting it, I mean, you know, it's kept public from it's, it's kept private from the general public, but it is not kept from God. That's right. You're, but you are putting your name on that document. It's powerful. Yeah, that's right. And um, and there's quite a people already that are are on this, and there's some very strong groups in Utah, and especially in in um, the southern Utah area. I see um, that uh, that has done just a great job organizing um, more than just. Um, abortion, fighting abortion. That's what I'm doing. And that's my hill to die on. But I see that, that when um, the same people that, that agree and want to see this ended, they're also the ones that want to get rid of the, the critical race theory and the, and the vaccine mandates and, and those things that, that are unconstitutional. They're, they're wrong. People standing against those and people like, um, Shannon. You know, Chris, mm-hmm. we have to wrap up. Oh, we, okay. <laughs> my goodness, that was a fascinating discussion. Thank you for joining yeah. us today. We'll be back with Thank more you. on the Liberty Moms program.
Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. We're part of the Loving Liberty Network, and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their to their family, their children, and their communities. And I just wanted to let our listeners know that there is an event that you will want to attend that's coming up this September 16th, 17th, and 18th, and it is in recognition of Constitution Day, but it's the Freedom's Light Festival. It's in Bountiful at uh, the Bountiful Park there on 4th North. But for more information, you'll want to visit freedomslight.us, freedomslight, so at the S, dot U-S. And you can get all the information, but from 9 to 9 on Thursday and Friday and 9 to 2 on Saturday, you can bring your family and watch live history being retold by Benjamin Franklin, by George Washington, by founding mothers and constitutional principles. So it's a great way to educate you and your family on these um, basic foundational principles that have made our country so great. So make sure you check that out, freedomslight.us. Okay, so my guest for the next uh, portion of my podcast is Elaine Moore. And I guess I really connected with Elaine um, in person when we were in South Dakota a couple of weeks ago for the Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium. And Elaine, I having dinner with her and listening to her background, actually, it's kind of in her DNA to be kind of this activist because of her background, and we don't have time to get into it, but her background in Kansas, fighting the Kansas deep state. There's a state. Yeah, state. we're very politically, not political, but um, my ancestors and my family believed you it's community affairs and state affairs and you should be involved it wasn't politics it was just your duty it's your duty and i'm finding that in in utah we have this lackadaisical i don't know if it's trust we just turn it all over to him we elect him and we just trust you to do the best that for us and and we just kind of sit back and think all is well in zion i don't know what the deal is but um, I just loved your stories because um, it was generational. Your yeah, grandmother, your dad, definitely. your parents. <laughs> yeah. You were Kansas, brought up. Where I grew up, um, we we were involved. Everyone was involved. It wasn't abnormal. I mean, we were just one of many, and we were in a small community, and we banded together. Um, growing up, it was never Republican, Democrat. In Kansas, there's a lot of uh, corporate take over farming for decades. So they don't trust either party. And um, it was never about the party. It was never about um, people's and what they say. It was what they did, how they voted, how they stood on issues. And that's how I was raised. Well, your mom, I mean, bless her heart. You have a particular issue that you were looking at and you're just, a, weren't you just young? Like, yeah, I got involved in election integrity in middle school. It was 1992. Um, we are, I was taking a government class and um, I don't know how many people remember, but after the election, it was the same thing that happened in 2020. People were very um, concerned. How did this happen? How did our democratic um, people get elected in Republican strongholds? Um, the county clerks noticed we had that big um, voter registration push through the Hillary Clinton and other nonprofits. They noticed that they had, 100% or higher of voter registration than population. 
So it just started canvassing and working on it, recounting the ballots. I mean, it was all the same things, but on a maybe a smaller scale. And it happened across the country. And ever since then, I mean, I followed the court cases in the district courts, in the federal courts. Um, my mom let me FOIA because we didn't have the Internet. We, we FOIA'd. We um subscribed to newspapers to follow this for years. I followed this and I got started on election integrity. Okay. So this is, this is the background of Elaine. Okay. I love it because (laughs) he has been behind the scenes, watched what happened in Utah on election night going, okay, hello, there's something wrong here, you know, with all the outcome with um, everything. And so she hasn't just watched and, and wrung her hands and going, oh, wow, that's too bad. What do we do? I don't know. I'm, sky is falling she's gotten involved and oh my goodness um elaine and others there there's so many many of us there's many yeah it's not just elaine but elaine has um been doing a lot of work on this and last night uh captain seth keschel Mm -hmm. was here in utah and he has done his own data points on figuring out what uh fraud election irregularities or whatever you want to call it, but what took place on election night, the result we have with Trump winning by 20% was not correct. Yeah. He found very surprisingly, um, or I should say it was more surprising to see the gap was a lot bigger than anticipated. So um, when you went through his slides and I encourage everyone, he's going to post them on um, Seth, Real Seth Keschel on Telegram or on um, Captain K's maps and statistics on Telegram and go look at Utah. Um, it was um, very eye-opening. Yeah, so uh, it was so fun last night there. You had over 200 people in Farmington showing up to, to hear him speak. And what was so exciting for me is I've been engaged in uh, legislative process and being involved for a number of years and with women's or United women's forum and uh, party chair. And it was fun to walk into this room and really only know maybe 10 people. Yeah. And it was like 200 new fresh faces that are just like, we want something. We want an audit. We want, we want to know that our vote is secure in Utah. And that's what blew me away is like, there's so many people that are, awake now and seeing that there was something that took place, you know, I mean, yes, Trump, there is still issues in every single state that have to be addressed. As you said before, even there were issues in every single state. Yeah. Utah Freedom Coalition has been putting on these events with speakers. Um, I record you go to utahfreedomcoalition.org. You can look at their calendar. Um, They've done an amazing job. And of course they're leading and helping with the audit And it is amazing to me, even town halls, going to county um, council meetings, you run into people who their biggest concern is election integrity, even over medical freedom. Um, They're really concerned because without election integrity, we have no freedom. Exactly. It is it is really the foundational issue right now that we have to address, because who can even think of voting in 22 if we have cleaned up what happened in 20? Yeah, and it's a big, big, big project to get a full forensic audit. There's so many different parts to it. And, um, you know, we're just getting started with the canvassing part of it. And that's a really important part. Um, But it's just one small part. There's many things that have to be done. Right. Well, and I want our listeners to know that there's been 
there's been work going on for a long period of time, and uh, it hasn't been easy getting the data that needed to be able to go out and canvas. And our very own lieutenant governor has been a roadblock in that. And it's been interesting because uh, Deidre Henderson has, I even saw her on the news, come out and say, hey, we've been able to include, you, you can do both. You can have mass amounts of, of voters and still have good in voting integrity. And But yet when we, or not we, but when you, or actually it was the legislature, so when the legislative body asked for certain data on voting night and, you know, the, the data points in that, she refused to turn them over. Yeah. And we still don't have complete voter rolls. And it's important for people to know that even though it's federal law for our election records to be backed up, according to our grandma or records requests, they overwrite them, the voter registration weekly. They don't keep a backup. They don't keep a backup of our elections and who registered during our elections. And this is straight from their mouths, not even, um, you know, from the law or anything in Utah. And they also thwart the citizens. If you're a political party, you can have everything. You can use it however you want and you can do anything with it. If you're a citizen who wants to ensure election integrity and go out and canvas and help make sure that our voter rolls are clean, you have almost um, minimum bare minimum that you can get. Wow. So there's something upside down on that because if I recall correctly, we, the people are power in our government and then we elect people to serve us and, and to represent us. They're not, they're not the power. We are the power. So we should have access to be able to be able to access if we feel like there is, um, uh, some irregularities that we want to address. And, you know, we're not saying anybody's the bad guy because no. we just want to clean it up. We just want to look at it and make sure. I mean, any business, anyone that's owned a business would understand that it's important to have an audit to make sure that everything is being run honestly and with integrity. And uh, that's all we want. It's our government and it's our vote. And we want to make sure it is safe and secure. And every government agency is audited, but we don't audit our elections. We do risk limiting, which is a fake audit, in my opinion. It's 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 planned, pre, pre-planned with the companies who run and write the software. Um, but you're right. Our county clerks, we ha- are incredibly blessed in Utah to have phenomenal county clerks. Um, one of the things that we come up against as citizens is the cost. What's the cost to us to learn things? It's expensive. And more and more counties are charging more. You know, at the beginning of the year when we started, it'd be $15 an hour. Now we have counties that are 56 to $80 an hour to get records. Yeah, so that that has to be addressed because yeah. that is um, an abuse of their power and their position. I wouldn't say power. I don't ever want to think that we they have power because the power is in us, we the people, but they're abusing their office. Yeah. And they will say, are you sure you still want to do this? It's awful expensive, you know, kind of trying to get you to back out of it. And we're like, yeah. And we've surprised them many times by um, being able to come up with the funds. Well, uh, just to remind our audience, when we had Alina on a couple of weeks ago, uh, she talked about her grandma requests and how they had, you know, steeped to the point where it was now $10,000. Yeah. Um, to ask for a grandma request. 
And so, again, that is something that we have to address because that is um, an abuse of their office. And uh, they're trying to, what are they trying to hide? I mean, really, if, if they really, if Deidre Henderson truly believes that we have the best election process, then just prove it. Yeah, and people don't understand it's not about Trump winning. It's not no. about the party. It's not about who won. It's about how our vote is counted. How do the machines count our vote? How are the voter registrations used? Are they being weaponized against us as we're seeing in other states? Every single issue isn't in Utah, but I bet many of them are. And I know of several that are. And um, we put up the auditutah.org so people could go there and look and see and learn more about our elections and what we're seeing here in Utah. We're adding more to that every day. Then we have Audit 50, where you can go and look at the data, not just from our state, but compare it to other states so you can see, oh, look, we have the same um, graph for our timestamp. We've all voted exactly the same as Iowa or Washington. Did we actually vote exactly that way, or was that an algorithm? And you can go through and learn for yourself. Because honestly, look at the population of Utah compared to Washington. Is it really plausible that (laughs) I know? There's so Democrat there. I mean, I, but we literally voted exactly the same ratios as Washington Uh as we went and voted. Same as I, I think it was Iowa and some others. And as we have these local people come and talk about Utah data, data is important. It's one part of the issue. And then we have, you know, our cyber election equipment issue. I just put together a presentation that I've been giving on our election equipment and why that's a concern on our voter registration database on Eric. Eric is a big nightmare um, and it's a big vulnerability through, through Vista, which is our voting registration database. And it's just all these little pieces coming together. And then finally, we have the biggest, hardest work, which is canvassing. And that is one that is our legal side. So it's a legal process to find the voter's registration. And, you know, we do affidavits and they have to, you know, be able to be a legal document, follow the chain of custody. It's a very serious process. It is. And I I have to say, last night, I was so excited when they announced that you were able to get... um, the data now is this for a, a certain county or is it we're getting it slowly coming in county by county and again um, if you chose private information um, because I'm a citizen I can't have that information so for some counties just roughly guessing and we don't have the voter registration from the election so we have people added and people removed so we're just guessing over 65,000 from Davis County alone that we're missing that's a lot of votes wow yeah. yeah, and so as the counties come in, we're running analytics, we're running data, we, we need people on our data team, we need people on our t- um, county captains, we need walking leads, and then we need volunteers to go door to door. And it's not just show up and do it. We do background checks, then you will do a sur- online survey, we have phone interviews, um, you have to do a non-disclosure, and then you have training because this is a legal process. Everything we do has to be following the legal process so it could go through the courts. Yeah, not that we would, but, you know, going through the legislature, giving it to a county, it needs to have that um, that seriousness and that um, accountability to it. So I want the listeners to be aware of that um, behind the scenes, there have been a lot of people, Elaine and a whole army of others that have been behind the scenes gathering this data and and doing these uh, this work to push to get the data from our um, our lieutenant governor and our clerks and 
And, and so now that data is coming in. And so now you can be part of this process. They need volunteers. And I know I've canvassed. I went down after the November 3rd election to canvass in Clark County with another, oh, maybe 25 others from Utah. And there were volunteers from Texas that that's, uh, came into Nevada and other places. But uh, we went out and canvassed, and I was surprised at how much fraud was showing up on the ballots. And, and it happens by just driving and looking for the address that they list. Sometimes that address is just an empty parking lot. There's not even a house on it. Okay, and or you'll have multiple voters at one house with with just a different variation of a name. Um, There's just so many ways that those ballots can be manipulated, but you really can't verify it until you go to the door. And so we your group is going to need lots of volunteers. I know I'm going to be helping with that. And so where is the best place for people to go to sign up or be involved in that? So the amazing thing is we're not alone. Not only do we have this army of people or this group of people starting in Utah, we have all these other states that are learning. And, you know, we're kind of a little bit behind the game. Some people have been doing it for eight or nine months, and they've put together training and a actual um, charter that we joined. It's useip.org.org, uselectionintegrityproject.org. And we will have we have a Utah chapter, and um, they have tools and trainings and things that we are going to use, and we're going to go through their program. And um, so you go there, you give them information. We'll start with the vetting and the background check. We have to make sure um, that people are going to the doors are one safe, and two that um, they are who they say they are, um, because these are legal documents you'll be collecting and you'll be doing. If it's an empty parking lot, you're the one signing that affidavit. Um, under perjury that you saw that this is an empty parking lot and there are no voters at this place and then you document it. Um, so um, all of those volunteers will be going through the useip.org and um, soon we will have our own chapter page so you can go there and click on Utah. Right now click on get involved and fill out the form there. Okay, you know I like the fact that you guys are starting to that they're screening, that mm-hmm. screening the applicants, because I think we're starting to learn that we, ha- anytime you're in the, in this fight that you, there's, it's a war, it's a battle. And so you're going to have spies that come in from the other side to thwart what you're doing. And um, we have to make sure we don't let, let that happen because we've seen that happen numerous times. Um, most recently on January 6th, where the FBI, mm-hmm came in and infiltrated uh, what was happening at um, the Capitol. And, uh, and so, and, and here locally in Utah, we have uh, the Bundy, the Bundy situation that happened up in Oregon. And we know that there were bad actors that infiltrated that group up there and uh, led to the murder of LaVoy Finnecum. And so um, I love hearing that you guys are being very prudent and really screening people so that, you don't get any bad actors in this because they would love to throw a wrench. Yes. And if you want, if you can't, don't have time to walk. If you don't have time to run data or can't do that part, because that's a huge part as well. Um, you can be on a team to run background checks. If that's your specialty is security, learning about people and background checks, volunteer to do that. There are many, many things you can volunteer to do 
um, in the canvassing efforts. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that's important is that, yeah, if you feel like, oh man, that's not my cup of tea. I don't, I don't want to do that. There, there's so much um, work that needs to be done that doesn't have to require you physically going out door to door, but you can help in other ways um, at home from your computer. Uh, Yeah. So please get involved in this because, um, and let your neighbors know, be um, sending people to audit Utah. I just went on there this morning and, and peruse through it. And, oh, my gosh, there's just amazing um, videos of, ex- you know, that's explaining the fraud. And I updated, this just me, I have, I did a family blog back in 1998, and I have not had a website since then. So um, this is just something that I did to help coordinate and bring people together as a jump off point. So you can get to Utah Freedom Coalition. Um, sometimes when we're out there, people can't remember that. But you can remember Audit Utah, auditutah.org. And then um, when other states saw it, they said, hey, can you take and make a resource for the nation? So that um, was split. And now we have Audit 50, which is a national resource for state by state. And it's kind of a lot of work, but um, it's an an invaluable resource. And I update it all the time and add more and more data, more info about Utah. We're adding more local research that's being done on election fraud. So keep checking it out. Keep learning more about what's happening in Utah with elections. Well, thank you, Elaine. You have just inspired me in so many ways because I think about how it, it really, a lot of stuff that's happening right now with this, this battle that we're in reminds me of, you know, studying um, American history and how it was every single person in the community, in the colonies. Well, not every single person, but the patriots, the patriots that knew they wanted their liberty and knew that they were entitled to these God-given rights that come from God that they had learned and talked about and preached about in the Bible that were being um, restricted from them, from the government. Okay. And we've seen a lot of restriction happening right now, even in local Utah government. I mean, honestly, shutting down churches. What is that? Yeah. Well, and that's my family started, you know, they've been in America since the 1640s and that a lot of the stories come from our family members from the revolutionary war who were militiamen, minutemen. And Mm -hmm. they went against, some of them went against their families. They were staunch leaders in their communities. And so we just need to remember that every generation has the people that need to stand up. It's not just, oh, this happened in the past. It happens every generation. And who are you going to be in this generation? Who are you going to be right now? Are you going to be one that stands up? And like I said, you can sit at home and help with this. You don't have to be out there walking. There's all kinds of things you can do. If it's not election integrity, there's other groups you can join with your passion. Well, and we've been, you guys have been good about putting pressure on elected officials, asking for friends at audit by having an affidavit build. Yes. That information is on your website, the audit. Yep. And uh, so getting an affidavit filled out, calling, um, emailing, because there's a petition, the petition. Yes, there's petitions to sign. There's so many uh, resources and there, it's just right there. It's right there under audit Utah. And we also have a get involved page that we try and add as many groups as possible to. So you can learn about other groups and about other issues in Utah and about other election issues. We have ranked choice voting issues. Um, We have election integrity bills coming up. So you can really support your community in many ways. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. 
Elaine, because the the bill um, the bills that are coming up this next session, we have to have a huge amount of people um, behind those bills um, because that's we're gonna we're gonna have some um, some flack on that. I mean, there's people that will not want this to have to change, and so we are going to need everyone. So please um, get to those sites auditutah.org. And Elaine, thank you for all of your work. Um, I so appreciate you coming on I'm today. I'm not alone, so. <laughs> we'll be, yeah, we'll have you and others back to give us updates, but thank you. And um, thank you. Listening to the Liberty Mom Show, I hope you've uh, been inspired to to pick up the, the, the slack and be part of this movement. So thank you, and we'll be talking with you soon. Thank you.